0: Welcome to Safety Spectrum your environmental health and safety connection. This program is a presentation of the Michigan Safety Conference. For almost a century the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support to the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment instrumentation and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference please find us at M-I-C-H, Welcome to Safety Spectrum. I'm your host, Sheila Eide. This sp- program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is EHS professionals of the future. If you ask folks how they got started in EHS, you'll probably get a variety of answers, especially from people who have been around for a while. So how do we interest today's students in considering environmental health and safety as a career path? Our guests today will discuss their journeys and thoughts on creating the next generation of EHS professionals. Carly St. Aubin, GSP, Graduate Safety Practitioner, is an EHS supervisor at Teneco, supporting two research and development facilities. She holds a BS in Environmental Health and Safety from Oakland University and is currently pursuing an MS in Safety Management. She holds the Radiation Safety Officer Certification, is a licensed machine safety specialist and Class A B UST operator. She is program chair of the Detroit chapter of the American Society of Safety Professionals and co-chair of the student committee of the Michigan Safety Conference. Our second guest, Jessica Janeman, works at TE Connectivity in Royal Oak, Michigan as a global senior manager for health and safety. Prior to TE Connectivity, She was the Executive Director of EHS, Quality and Manufacturing Planning at Advanced Vehicle Assemblies, and Global Director for EHS at Dura Automotive. She holds a BS in Environmental Science and a Master's in Safety Management, also from Oakland University. She just recently defended her project research, earning a Doctorate of Education in Organizational Leadership. She's a past president of the Detroit Chapter, ASSP, and also serves on the board, Environmental and Student Divisions of the Michigan Safety Conference. Thank you for joining me today, Jessica and Carly. Thanks so, for what, having us, Sheila. <laughs> it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, let's start out, uh, Carly. How did you? Uh, what What are your current job duties? What kind of things are you responsible for?
1: Yeah. So uh, currently, I am responsible for managing uh, two uh, research and development facilities. I cover um, all of environmental health and safety. Um, and some of my job duties in addition to the the day-to-day inspections and audits um, also include uh, certain types of project management and risk assessments permitting um, safety design of new processes etc um, I also participate as a second party auditor for other Teneco plants
0: and uh, Jessica what kind of kind of uh, duties do you are you responsible for
1: well, um, I think
2: like all of us in safety, it changes day to day. It's never the same, right? It's different. But um, I currently support globally uh, for TE in the industrial solutions segment for about 78 sites globally um, and help with uh, everything and anything, um, whether it's regulatory compliance, uh, continuous improvement, incident investigation. Um, basically anything health and safety, right? We we all wear multiple hats. So. Many hats,
0: many yeah. hats. So let's get right into it. Carly, how did you get into the field? So I started attending Oakland
1: University for an undergraduate degree in environmental health and safety after previously starting my educational career in environmental science. So uh, originally, I was really invested in environmental science and sustainability. Um, but I did become very passionate about workplace health and safety when I started taking my first course at Oakland that was taught by um, a professor McLaughlin. He's no longer with the university, but he really inspired my my passion for workplace health and safety and really brought that awareness to it. So when I took my passion for environmental science and also workplace health and safety, it just um, became my niche and um, I actually started working with Teneco as an intern in tandem with starting my degree. So I was really able to apply my degree to work and vice versa.
0: That's always the problem, having the education and how do you get the experience? How do you get your foot in the door? So, Jessica, what's your story? Um, well, I much like
2: Carly, I started in environmental science. And um, I've, I've told this story before where my first exposure to safety was actually working in a chemistry lab um, and uh, as an undergrad and uh, working with a gas tro- chromatography mass spectrometer or GCMS. And um, I I had the smallest hands. So of course, I was able to get into tiny places, right? And um, one of the master students had asked me to go in and make an adjustment in the gcms and i heard a little crack uh, or break in um one of the tubes and ended up being radioactive material in there now luckily i'm i'm okay but um it taught me a a pretty good lesson about you know occupational safety um and of course we had our lab ih or industrial hygienist come in and you know monitor and and check out everything was okay but um yeah, I, I always reflect back on that first experience, not realizing it was occupational safety. Um, and then years later, um, kind of discovering that this is an actual job, right? Um, so um, starting out first at, at ABV, um, Dr, Dr. Hill, which some of you may know, um, much like all of us, he'll kind of pull you into safety and a little bit infectious in that way, where you're like, wow, this is a really cool thing. I didn't know it was out there, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about how I got started.
0: Yeah. That's the problem is, uh, how do we get awareness out there? So, uh, what challenges did you face entering the field? And I'll start with Jessica this time. I'm sure there were one or two or maybe hey, not.
2: No, not, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, I come from automotive. Um, you know, 99.9% of my career has been in automotive. Um, And still, even though I'm in a vast uh, company with manufacturing, we still also do automotive. And as you can imagine, um, in automotive and manufacturing, there's a high percentage of males. Um, And so that, uh, you know, sometimes you, you just look around and you go, I'm the only female in here, but I didn't really think about that before, right? Um, and I think that you'll you'll have some different dynamics and personality and how you approach things, um, so that can be a challenge sometimes. Um, where you look at that, I also know you know being younger or, or more green coming into um, into a role, which um, I've been lucky enough to have some really good experiences. But somebody might have 10, 20 years ex- more experience than I do, right? Um, so that can be a, a struggle. So um when you add those two dynamics together, being a, a, a younger female coming in, um, you know, that it can play some some opportunities for and learning experiences, I'll put it that way. Um, and so I I personally have looked at everything as a lesson learned. I even if it's a negative one. Um, and so when I did have some of those challenges come into play, um i always learned something i had a takeaway i had something to where i can say how can i improve this for better the next time or what did i learn trying to remain positive in there and uh, also just asking lots of questions right listening um w- going to those people that have great experiences and then also within my network right um finding my who's going to be my cheerleaders that's going to help support me and and you know the positive influences um where I can kind of lean on. So those are just um, some things that come to mind.
0: That's No, I know asking a lot of questions is always good. It's so odd how often people don't think to ask the worker how they do their job or what would make it easier for you or what, you know, they have the best ideas, they're doing the job. And I also found having a sense of humor, (laughs) you can't take everything so seriously. I mean, it is serious what you do, but you can't always take every remark as know, trying to get you. But I like what you said. Uh, Carly, how about you? I'm sure you had one or two challenges too. Just a few also.
1: (laughs) So um, I entered automotive again, um, as Jessica said, a male dominated industry as a young woman. And remember, I started my internship at the same time I started my undergraduate degree. So greener than green, all odds really stacked against me. Um, And I was really fortunate to work for a very good company where I never, you know, I never felt the pressure of being a woman, although I did definitely feel the pressure of starting out brand new and having to prove myself. Um, I didn't have experience at all. So, you know, there was this perceived lack of experience or credibility. It was just the fact that I did not have experience and I had to prove myself um, I've had the very fortunate opportunity to work with engineers for the last four years. And um, if you've ever worked with engineers, you know that they are logical. They are very intelligent. And uh, things, are, things are black and white. They need to know um, why. And they need to know what is going on. And so I had to really challenge myself to be able to have those answers. And I had a lot to learn. Um, Compared to most of my colleagues, I'm still very young. I'm still very inexperienced. Um, You know, some of the challenges that I met regarding that, uh, you know, I wasn't taken seriously. Um, I maybe wasn't respected as much. And although I was able to create a good working relationship and dynamic with the people I worked with in my buildings, um, when I went to take over another facility, Um, Or when I was working on projects with um, people from other plants, I had to reface those challenges all over again Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't yet have a chance to prove myself. So like you said, Sheila, I think it's so, so important to learn from people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming into automotive greener than green, I, I spent a lot of time learning. I put on the lab coat, I broke down an engine, I turned a wrench, I, you know, looked at the electrical controllers and went to the PLC classes. Um, I learned from my colleagues and in doing that, I also gained a lot of respect and that helped me out along the way as well. Um know as I said before, using um, data analytics and research to prove what I was saying was credible, was really important. Um, and, And over time, I became a very reputable source of information and
0: education without having to necessarily prove myself. And I think there's always resistance to any new employee coming in with the type of job that you have in EHS. I mean, these are things they've been doing for a long time. And then people are coming in saying, well, no, we need to do it a different way, which change whether you're a man or a woman is always difficult because we know how to do it. Uh, were there mentors involved with either of you? Um, yeah, I'll I,
1: jump in. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. <laughs> Jessica was my mentor. <laughs> she, was, she was a fantastic mentor to me, actually. Um, and again, we we followed the same kind of path. So as a, a very young um, student and and very early on in my career, she guided me through some of the most challenging times that I had, including some of these, you know, maybe discriminatory practices or areas where I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously or disregarded. Jessica, well,
2: well, thanks, Carly. I think, um, and Carly pointed out. You know, you've got. I still have my early mentors. I've got, you know, that the Michigan Safety Conference. There's tons of people I still talk to. Right. Um, it, starting out from from scratch. I remember Sharky when you know first coming in and. Um, being introduced to Michigan Safety Conference and and having those conversations with him. Um, But uh, Daryl being a a strong mentor for me, I've also had mentors, um, which I think is important, outside of the safety profession as well because they make you dynamic, they make you diverse. And I think in this profession, diversity uh, and experience, like Carly said, she put on a lab coat, she picked up a wrench, right? Um, so having those people influence you, and I think that's part of it in safety, we have to make sure that we're open minded. Like you said, Sheila, um the operators are the, um they're they're the subject matter experts. They're there every day. They know better than you do. I don't ever walk onto a shop floor and expect to know. I ask lots of those questions to be a sponge. So I even look at people that I've worked with um, out on the floor, you know, as mentors to me, Um, maybe not, you know, career wise, but, you know, personally, they've they've taught me a lot of things. So um, I think being open and thinking about who can make you the best version of yourself as a safety professional, um, and it doesn't have to be anybody in a higher up position either. It can be somebody that I, I I'll never forget um, in, in the Czech Republic, I had this one operator, didn't even speak English and I didn't speak Czech, <laughs> but I would walk out on the floor and he would show me, he would show me. And every time I went back to that plant, um, you know, he would he would say hi, he'd wave me over and he would point out, hey, look what we've done over here. And and it taught me some of that adversity that I think um, is, is critical in our function
0: really good answers and i'm glad you made the point about the michigan safety conference it was so interesting as a young safety professional myself to be able to call the head of chrysler or ford and ask a question do you have a kind of program like this could i borrow some of your expertise so the conference is excellent for networking See, we got that little commercial in there so uh conversely what drives your passion for this type of work what makes it rewarding to you jessica
2: um, for me, I think it's one of those things that we have the unique opportunity to impact people on a day-to-day and and make their lives better. Um, little things that we can do. Um, even though and and I think it's it's hard because sometimes we don't think we're always winning, right? Um, but it's taking those little wins and, and progressing little bits at a time. And I'll use a, a case example. I was at a site in California and um going out to do a really a safety observation tour, a gamble walk with uh, the management team. And uh, we were in an area, it was a lab area, and not everybody, I think, really got back to this area. But, um, you know, I went and spoke to the woman, one of the operators, I saw that she had like a cardboard box that she had taken from the floor, and that was for her um, feet. And so she could adjust her ergonomics. And I said, do you really like using a cardboard box every day? <laughs> and come to find out, she had worked in the company for 17 years, and nobody had asked her the question, right? Um, and so we went and did a full ergo assessment of her work area and where she sat and what she did, and we even looked at the machine guarding, even though it was a small piece of quality equipment, but it, it did an assessment for that. You would have thought she won the lottery. This woman was so happy that somebody came, finally asked her a question, and it it changed her whole life, so to speak, <laughs> or it seemed like it did, just by doing this, this little small act. And so those are the things that really, I think, um, drive me is being able to impact people like that on a
0: day-to-day. I found that, too, as if you listen, even and they would know you couldn't do anything about whatever it was. The fact that you listen made all the difference in the world. People do not feel recognized. So turn it over. Carly, what drives your passion? Uh, I think
1: there's two different vehicles that drive my passion. Um, One, I'm very, very passionate about problem solving and, um, and science and meeting a goal. Um, And I really um, have this awesome opportunity to do that in my field because I am able to design safety systems for sometimes very complex systems. And, you know, complete all of the permitting the risk assessments, I can see those controls be installed, I can see it progress, and then I can see it come to fruition and then in turn, work for the company to do the great, you know, research and development that we do so. For me, you know, that part of my job, I really love seeing that success and um, seeing that win and getting that achievement. Um, And then the other piece of it, the reason that I really started um, in this career, the reason that I is my underlying passion, the reason I wake up every day and I'm super excited to go to work is that I just, I like helping people and I like making a difference. Um, I become very invested and passionate when people, um, tell me that I'm making a change in their work lives. And uh, I will never forget, I found a, a really kind of fatal flaw in one of our systems at one of my facilities that was overlooked for um, many years. It was a newer facility I'd taken over. And um, it, it was, in my opinion, um, it, pretty crucial and when we were able to identify it and I was able to communicate to the team what happened and how we were working to change it and fix it and make it safer for them, I had a few people come up to me and very vulnerably tell me that they were just so grateful wow. and that they wouldn't want to you know, work there anymore if, if the conditions were like that. And to know that I'm making that kind of a difference in somebody's life is just incredibly rewarding.
0: And I think in this time of tight labor markets, knowing that a company cares about your safety and health has got to make a difference for people hiring in or staying. They feel like they're not being heard and things aren't safe. They're not going to stick around. Well, okay, now we'll go the opposite way. There's a bit of a stigma or stereotype around safety professionals being the safety police or safety in general is too much extra work. So how are new safety professionals changing that mindset? And I'll start with uh, Jessica again.
2: Yeah. Um. So I, I, I find this a lot where I think as as safety we can sometimes be seen as as negative all the time, right? Um. Where hey, this person only shows up when something goes wrong. Um. And some we had an incident happen. Oh, shoot! I gotta go and talk to Jessica again. I gotta you know go see her and explain what happened um and i think as safety professionals part of our role is that to break some of that stigma um if i walk into a, the the workplace and i thank people every day hey you know what i'm not gonna just slap you on the wrist when you're not wearing your gloves or your your safety glasses for example i'm gonna go around and um i'm gonna thank you for being safe um and i'll never forget this i kind of had a, a paradigm shift probably about Two or three years ago um, when I was doing taking part of my doctorate leadership course and it was talking about positive influencing others um, in the workplace. and I said, you know what safety's perceived a lot like this. We're viewed as the safety cop. We show up, we we slap people on the wrist. but um, so I tried an experiment. I actually uh, gave out candy bars, little candy bars and I gave out little candy bars to the management team and it was funny. Um, I was in Mexico. I said, do you guys have any chocolate? And uh, they looked at me like, "Uh, yeah, we got, so they went and got some chocolate. We um, put them in our our vest pockets and uh, I walked around and I just, and everybody of course knows who I am. So I always say they're doing the head, shoulder, knees, toes type thing, making sure they got everything on when they see me. And um, I I started to do this where it's a, a, a little bit of a shift. And I said, hey, can you tell me what type of PPEs is required in your area? And uh, they would go through and they said, yeah, I got to wear this. And can you explain why? And they would go on and explain. I said, hey, thanks for showing up. work, are being safe. I appreciate you doing this. And I want to give you a candy bar. Right. Um, and so it was more of this. Um, they looked at me like, wow, I've never had anybody thank me for being safe, necessarily. I only I only get told you know, when I do something wrong kind of thing. <laughs> so I think that's part of our role um, is to make sure that we change that negative mindset, that we don't, we're not just viewed as the safety cop, but we make safety fun. We make it positive. Um, and so I think that's really how you help break that that stigma, so to speak.
0: Uh, how about you, Carly? How do you keep yourself from being the safety cop?
1: Well, um, I can't echo Jessica's sentiments enough. I think that using positive reinforcement is an incredibly powerful tool. Um, I really believe that, you know, we talk about safety in general being so much extra work, and I don't think we can argue that, and I don't think that we should. I think that we need to argue that safety is worth the extra work. I had somebody come up to me um, earlier this year and say, you know, we would have had this running six months ago if you didn't step in. And I said, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, no, I'm not going to argue that. You're absolutely right. But there would be a risk for serious property damage, potentially fatality. I mean, it's just not worth it. And he agreed. I think that um, myself and other emerging safety professionals are really trying to change the negative mindsets by um, using personal relationships. education and transparency. And so instead of having this brick wall up of, oh, you know, I'm not gonna tell you what's going on. I just need you to do this. Um, we're, We're educating, we're being transparent. And then like Jessica said, influencing. So we can influence people using psychosocial tools instead of just driving compliance. And I'm not arguing that compliance isn't necessary. We all know that it is, but if we drive safety in a way that becomes personal for the employee, they're more willing and able to meet compliance without feeling like they're having to do homework. They don't have to do anything except take care of themselves and work safely. And in turn, That is that is making sure that we're meeting our goals as well as safety professionals.
0: Well, after listening to Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was was
1: just go ahead, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I was just gonna, you know, say that um I think we need to try to convince people to, you know, think about safety. You know, don't make them do anything, just have them think about it through their their day-to-day lives using psychology and behavioral safety as tools that will drive uh, safety as a as a positive thing.
2: And I was just gonna add, Carly. You brought up a really good point because I think one of the things that I've learned over the past is, especially working with operations people, um, what can I do to make your life easier while getting what I need to do accomplished? Right? Um, I'm not trying to add extra layers in, but how can I, how can I inject safety as a part of the process? Right? and and then recognizing those when they actually hey they did something really great and and um you know I think Sheila we we've talked about this before but it's not about the we're not rewarding people, but we're recognizing people and, and recognizing others in front of their peers is, is I think, a, a critical piece to that as well. So if you can have a, a win-win scenario where, you know, hey, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind of thing, I think you'll get a, a lot further and, and be a lot more successful.
0: I'm glad you said that because I was going to say both of you are not into incentives or awards, but you said what I was looking for is that recognizing someone in front of their peers that they did well goes a long way in making people feel good about what they do. Yeah, and and
2: just to add to that, Sheila, there was um, a, a study that was um brought up uh, in New York Times a few years ago. And and basically there was three different studies that were done and it was for pro- productivity performance, not necessarily safety, but they used three different groups and uh, the different tests that they did One was a a pizza party because everybody loves pizza and a plant. If you've ever been in a plant, (laughs) the other is a, a bonus. And then the third was a job well done from the manager. And so they measured the productivity results by giving those, um, I'll call them incentive or reward, so to speak, um, if you put it in that category. And the group that got the job well done in front of their peers and with their manager were actually the group that actu- that produced more. They hit their productivity targets higher than any of the other two. I think pizza came in second, um, but um, that bonus piece was down at the the bottom. So I think that that demonstrates that you don't have to do um, an incentive program. You don't necessarily have to do rewards, but the
0: recognition is critical to be successful. Well, I think we were doing it backwards for years. They would give them bonuses or recognition when they didn't have so many accidents or injuries. That's the wrong way to go. You need to reward positively, like you both said, positive behavior reinforcement. Absolutely. Something we talked about earlier, Carly, about, uh, is there a generation piece to this and how you uh, motivate people? And
1: Yeah, so I, I'm pretty passionate about this topic as far as leveraging generational differences in our workforce with safety. I think there is a direct connection, with leadership, communication, training, and, and a couple of other aspects that we need to take a look at. Um, I have not, in my experience, seen the safety police. And... I think that is largely because my, many of my colleagues and the people that I work closely with, like Jessica, are uh, part of the the newer emerging generations. And I think that the standpoint of the, you know, person in charge and commanding other people is really fading with the newer generations. I think we're really taking a different approach I think many um, emerging leaders are more transformational leaders rather than, you know, the dictator style of leadership. Um, I do think that that style of leadership is is dated. And I think that with the, you know, growing social economy, that um, that kind of leadership style will will fall away and that the safety cop will eventually become
0: really kind of a thing of the past, which I think is a huge benefit to, to good the industry. Thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple more questions and we're getting close on our time. So uh, again, Carly, what do you think would help uh, to recruit people and students to the field?
1: Um, I think that many people just do not know that this profession exists. So um, beginning by educating younger generations about the profession is is a really um, strong thing to do. Um, I think engineering groups like robotics in high schools or social groups like the Scouts of America um, are great opportunities to educate younger generations about the profession, um, to get them thinking about it. Um, Tenneco is doing a Bring Your Child to Work Day, which is also an excellent opportunity to talk about uh, safety in the safety profession to children ages 10 to 18. And I'm planning on bringing in some materials um, to give out to them and just to talk to them about my job and how kind of cool and fun it is to be a safety professional. So I, I think we need to start much younger than than college age, for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Jessica, what are your
0: thoughts?
2: I echo exactly what Carly said. I think part of it is getting this profession out there. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know about it. I don't think a lot of generation earlier generations know um, and I think shadowing goes a long way, just introducing people to come on site and, hey, I didn't know I could be a safety person at Beaumont. I didn't know I could be a safety person at Marathon, right? There's lots of fields where I think people are shocked at what we do. Um, I also think, and I've, I had this asked at my, um, my dissertation Um you know, where do we feel there are opportunities for cross-functional development with safety? um and if you look at safety professionals, everybody uh, for the most part, I think has had some experience of investigation um where they've had an incident or something they have to look at. Problem solving is a great cross-functional area, right? So why not have a, a green belt collaboration and vice versa? You know you've got engineers that, um, Carly mentioned engineers earlier. Um, that's a a great profession which we can cross-reference into. So I think there's lots of opportunities to have some of that cross-functional collaboration and development, and we need to expand and explore that a little bit more vastly.
0: Hey, Do you believe volunteering can drive recruitment into the EHS field? Uh, Jessica, what do you think?
2: yeah um i i think uh i'm, I'm a little bit biased because i said you know michigan safety conference and i'm part of the student committee and <laughs> but yeah i mean there's so many students over the past years i think where i can say that um you know not only did it benefit the students by volunteering but i've had i've seen employers come up and say hey thanks for introducing me to this student right or even others, I've, I've, you know, ASSP or somebody who um, I've networked with, they're they're looking for a different opportunity, and then hey, let me introduce you to Sheila or whomever, right? So I I think um, expanding your network, opening yourself up, maybe taking a little bit of a a, a stretch outside of your comfort zone um, can certainly help in that way. How
0: about you, Carly? Got any thoughts?
1: I, I absolutely agree. I think volunteering is a great menu
0: to get into the industry and learn more about the field. And I'm thinking we should be involved in career days that they have at high schools or what have you. Like you say, they don't know that we exist. And if you like research, problem solving, science, it's all in there. So any this is kind of a fun question, I think. Any advice you would give your younger self about what you do and why you do it, Carly? Go back a few um, years. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm still very early in my career,
1: but I think I would tell myself if I was just starting out just to be myself. Don't try to be anyone. Don't try to meet any expectations. Just be myself, um, follow your true north and always, always stand in your truth because, you know, sometimes the right decision is very difficult, um, but it's important to, you know, always come back to why you do what you do and who you do it for. And um, it'll always, always be worth it. Jessica, got any thoughts on
0: that one?
2: Um, very similar to Carly. Like you know, she she kind of hit on it with values, right? Um, but for me, it's 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 okay to show humility. It's okay to show some of that humanness. And I think, um, you know, coming back and I, I reflect back in my career, I was always trying to be very direct, very technical, business oriented. Um, and one thing that my one of my first mentors, um, my COO, um, first regional position taught me, you know, I would come in, I'd have 20 things that I'd want to get through. And he would say, he would stop me and say, how are you? How's your family doing? How's everybody? And I, I just went, I would get frustrated. I was like, why does he care about this? I have all this stuff I need to get through. And, And so it made me stop and think that, you know, humanness is, is okay. Being demonstrating humility is okay. And I think, you know, we work in a profession where we we have to put people first, and I think we have to reflect that in how we act too, um, and and putting that that humanity out there. So um, that it's something that it, it doesn't come easy. I think you you learn it over your career a little bit, and um, it's taken some
0: practice for me. Yeah, I was reminded of an incident when I was early on in my career, my first safety job, and. I had someone come down off of a height because it was just unsafe the way they were. And, and I got immediately called to the superintendent's office who harangued me for five minutes about not going through channels. And I was more concerned about somebody falling. And after the harangue, which I sat there and took silently, he said, are you going to do this again? I said, if I see it again. So I think you still have to remember why you're there. You know, yeah. and sometimes you got to take it on the chin, but that's the way it's supposed to work. So... I, I like the idea about the humanness and the, the, the fact you brought up the generational differences and the diversity in the workplace too. There's a lot of diversity that we don't even think about. It's not just age or sex or could be a disability. So there's so many ways that we have to relate to people. So I think it's, it's wonderful that this generation seems to understand that and it's more into the, like you say, the humanness, Jessica, that, that makes so much sense. So why do you believe this topic is important? of recruiting new EHS people. Either, either one of you, Carly. <laughs> Carly? <laughs> I know you're both looking. <laughs> well, I think there's a gap,
1: right? There's I have uh, mentors that are that are reaching retirement age. You know, they're they're so full of experience. And the problem is there's so few from what I've seen, there's so few um emerging professionals. And all of that knowledge is going to be lost when they retire. So it is so, so important to get emerging professionals into the workforce, into the field, and connected with these people so that we can continue to grow the profession and um, continue to get uh, better and better uh, workplace health and safety and environmental sustainability moving forward
0: in our world. Jessica, get any thoughts on that? And yeah, I'd...
2: a lot to piggyback on what Carly said. I I think, um, you know, I look at growth and development as well as leadership is kind of like driving a car. Um, of course, a gal comes from automotive, right? Um, but uh, you've, you have to look at the past, the present, and the future, right? It's like you're driving a car, you're looking 90% in the front and the current, the present, but you still have to have that 10% to reflect that and say, what have we learned, right? Um, and I think uh, having some of the, the vast exposure and experience, you know, Sheila, you've got a lot of different and great experience and and you know even from the the Michigan safety conference you brought so much um it, that people can learn coming into their career but people that are currently in their career and uh just like Carly stated you know being a part of that um community and and her and I even be connected right so I think part of it is reflection but I think it's also about the present and the future where do we where do we take everything
0: Absolutely. I mean, succession planning should be part of this division, just like it is any other part of an organization. And we older folks have to also have humility to hear what you have to say. The podcast idea came out of the student committee that, you know, let's relate to this generation the way they're used to seeing getting information. So I appreciate that. Well, it appears the key is presenting opportunities to students to discover different educational career path early on. The field of environmental health and safety is not only exciting and challenging, but also a profession that offers a great deal of satisfaction in protecting people and our environment. I'd like to thank Jessica Jetman and Carly St. Aubin. They can be reached through LinkedIn or the Michigan Safety Conference. And if you have questions about this podcast, the Michigan Safety Conference, or if you'd like to be a guest or sponsor one of our podcasts, information can be found on our website at mich, M-I-C-H, org. And don't forget to access the website and sign up for the 2023 conference coming up April 18th and 19th at the DeVos Center in Grand Rapids. This is Sheila Eide. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum.